welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Hello and welcome back to the Proper Mental Podcast. Back to episode 55 of Proper Mental, in fact, and my guest this week is Joanna Basford. Jo is an illustrator and an inky evangelist. She's widely considered to be the pioneer of the adult colouring book phase. In 2016, she was awarded an OBE from the Queen for services to art and entrepreneurship. And in 2019, she broke the Guinness World Record for the largest drawing done by an individual. She also happens to be an old pal of mine, and Joe and I actually worked together on the northwest coast of France for a summer back in, so far back that I don't even like to say, but it was a long time ago. And that summer we could mostly both be found in Mel's Bar for the happy hour on a Wednesday and Saturday, two euros a pint, one euro a shot. Happy days indeed. So yeah, Joe's an old pal of mine. We've not really spoke since that summer, so um, yeah, it was really cool just to have a bit of a bit of a catch up again. And it's fantastic episodes. We talk about creativity, the creative process, and how that can help mental well being. We talk all about Joe's work and how she got into that work and how she separates work from her own need for creativity. We talk about loads of other stuff. We talk about therapy. We talk about the power of nature. We talk about social media. So it's a really cool conversation. It goes everywhere. And it was really, really lovely to catch up with Joe. She hasn't changed at all. Um, I've always thought of Joe as being like a really kind, really compassionate person. She's really authentic and she's got very strong boundaries and she really knows her values you know she's really good at sticking to them and um, that really comes across in how she shows up in the world and that's one of the things I really wanted to come across in this conversation because I think there's a lot to be learned from that there's also some other things that have come from this that have quite surprised me actually that have been um, just made it particularly lovely afterwards Joe was kind enough to send me like a care package of some of her books and uh, some pencils and pens and all that sort of stuff a starter kit for coloring in and creativity And I was really touched by that. And I thought, well, you know, I should give it a go, really. And I've really, really taken to it. So this would have been early December, I think. And since I opened that box of goodies, I've coloured every day since. Uh, We were away for New Year's. I went down to my mum's in Wales and I took all my colouring stuff. And I was colouring when I was on holiday as well. And it's become a really useful wellness tool for me. Um, I really enjoy it. And I wasn't really expecting to. And that's been a really cool thing to come away from this conversation. I consider myself to be quite an anxious person. Um, I always have like a an anxious energy and I tend to channel that into getting stuff done. I am very good at getting stuff done, um, but sometimes that can be quite detrimental. But even when I've got everything done that I need to, I always feel like there's something I should be doing. You know, I always think there's one more email, one more, you know, one more blog, one more post, one more conversation, one more text, one more phone call. It always feels like there's something I should be doing, even though I know there's not. And quite often that energy can get pushed into me working too much, working too hard and I tire myself out or spending too much time on social media 
or um, I don't drink anymore, but when I used to be a drinker, that was a big reason why I um, I used to drink, was put that energy somewhere. And I found since I've been coloring that it gives me something to do with that anxious energy. And it's just enough that I feel like I'm doing something, but it doesn't take anything from me. You know, it doesn't uh, drain the tank at all. It just kind of distracts me enough so that I can sit still and I can sit calm. And that's really nice. It's also helped me do a lot of thinking. And I don't know if there's any science in this at all. Someone would have to let me know. But how it feels, the only way I can think to describe it, is that the, the busy part of my brain, the conscious part of my brain, that's in charge and can be in charge too much, is slightly distracted by colouring. And that then allows the other part of my brain to kind of decompress and wander a bit and just sort through some stuff. I've had some interesting thoughts, interesting ideas while I've been doing that. And it's a real pleasure. I'm really, really, really into it. And I can't thank Joe enough for kind of uh, lighting that spark for me. The other thing that's really nice is that over Christmas, when I've been doing a lot of colouring, my kids have been doing it with me. So my children are five and four. So obviously they do a lot of colouring at the moment as it stands. So it's more their hobby already than mine. But we've been doing it together. And over Christmas, um, my wife works in retail, so she does a lot of shifts. So I tend to take that time of year off and I potter around with the kids. And, you know, it's Christmas, money's tight. It's a strange time of year. It's dark. It's cold. We can start to run out of things to do. And we kind of found ourselves in the habit this year of going to our favourite coffee shop, shout out Stolly's in Wallasey Village, and ordering hot chocolates and just sitting there with Joe's books and with the pencil she sent in the middle of the table and just sitting there just colouring. And it was really peaceful, which if you've ever been out for hot chocolate with a five-year-old and a four-year-old, you'll know that that's not always the case. And it was just a really nice way to do something calm and be in each other's company. And my son can take it or leave it, he'll dip in and out but my daughter the four-year-old she's really into it and all over Christmas um, and even this morning in fact she'll come up to me and she'll say daddy can we color and she'll pick one of the books and we'll get the pencils out in the middle of the table and we'll just sit with a page each or share a page and it's just been like a lovely thing that's happened I don't want to say brought me closer to my children because I'm already close to my children but it's just a nice thing that we can all do together and there is a, a different closeness to that activity so that's been really really lovely so yeah thank you joe if you're listening that's been um it's been an absolute pleasure if you would like to know more about joe and her books you can get her books absolutely everywhere wherever you like to get books from you'll be able to get joe's coloring books um shop local if you can of course and if you would like to follow her on social media it's at joanna bassford and her website is www.joannabassford.com. Um, her website's brilliant. There's stuff to download. There's blogs to read. There's videos to watch. Yeah, it's really, really cool. All the stuff about me is in the episode notes. You can get hold of me via Instagram. You can get hold of me via my website. I do try and reply to everyone if possible. There's also stuff in the episode notes about how you can support the podcast. The main one, of course, is to rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. If you could drop a few stars on this episode wherever you listen, that would be a huge help. Let's get on with it. This is episode 55 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Joanna Bassford. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Little, uh, little intro and off off we go mate 
So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest today is Johanna Bassford. How are you, mate? Hello, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, thanks for coming on. We've just been having a little uh, little catch-up, eh? So I suppose for context, I should mention that we uh, we used to know each other in what seems like a, a different life, Joe. Very much so. And I know you as Tommy. And Tommy, <laughs> you shall always be. I just can't do the Tom thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife says the same same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate. Well, that's probably like, um, yeah, so I suppose, how to explain it? We worked on the same campsite in France in 2004, is, was uh, that what it was? I 2004. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, mate. So a long, long time ago. But that's probably like a really good place to jump in because am I right in thinking, Joe, that you were at, would you have been just starting uni or just finishing? What was going on? No, I would have been just about to go into my final year of art school. And in art school at that time, you got like a four month summer holiday and I was perpetually broke. Um, but I wanted to go and like have a good fun summer. Like I didn't want to go stack shelves in Tesco or whatever. So um, I'd had a few of those jobs before where you earn quite a, like a good amount of money, but you're bored out your brain. So I um, went to work on a campsite in France with all these other crazy people. And uh, that's how I met you. That summer on, was it Amio? That's Amio? right. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, in France for the summer. So that's what, that's what happened. There you go. Did you um, study something specific at art school or was it loads of different stuff? Yeah, so in first year, you do a general course, which is where you do a little bit of everything. And I actually thought I was going to be... Um, an illustrator or a graphic designer like I love that kind of drawing stuff but when I got to art school um, and tried out all the wee things the illustration department so after first year you then specialize for your next three years um, and it came, came to the point where you had to pick what you're going to specialize in and the illustration department was in the basement and I was like what I cannot spend three years in a basement it just seems like bananas there's no natural light or there was but just tiny little bits that came in at street level and the graphic design department was upstairs and I went in there and it was just full of like really cool boys on IMAX with like pretentious haircuts. It's like, these are not my people either. So at that point, my whole life plan was out the window. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I was just wandering around. And I found myself in the textile department at Duncan Johnston School of Art in Dundee, which overlooks the River Tay. And it was beautiful and sunny. And there was like pots of paint everywhere. And it was just messy and drawings and flowers. It's like, ah, oh, this is my place. And these are my people. And that was how I picked my degree, which isn't a great way to pick your degree, but it turned out okay for me. Yeah, that's it. I love that because like environment, if we're going to spend a lot of time somewhere, right, it has to be right for us. And I think, you know, when we talk about mental health, so much the thing that impacts how you feel and how you feel in yourself is is the stuff and the people that you surround yourself with. Right. So it's important to um, to find that space. And sometimes picking the space is more important than picking what you do in the space, because you can if you're going to be happy, you can apply that to um, anything you like really yeah well that's the thing I ended up kind of molding the course so I ended up doing printed textile design but I specialized in hand-drawn silk screen printing which kind of morphed into what I do now which is really intricate hand-drawn black and white illustrations so it was kind of like as long as the setting was okay I could kind of manipulate the other stuff to fit but I felt like if the setting was out like that was just going to be a false start from the beginning like there was just nothing going to happen so I think if you, for me anyway, if I can get my surroundings happy and in a good sort of settled space, then I can work on the rest. But if the surroundings is out, then I'm scuttered from the start. Yeah, it just doesn't work, right? It doesn't work at yeah. all. Yeah. So um, it sounds like being creative in general has been a huge part of your life. Is that kind of in your DNA, Joe? Have you always been that person? Yes, I am that annoying person at new age too. 
what they wanted to do. So I knew I wanted to be creative, but I didn't really know specifically like which field. So for a while, I think in the 90s, you know, when Changing Rooms was on, I thought I wanted to be an interior designer and there was the graphic design phase and the graffiti artist phase. But generally speaking, I knew I loved to draw. It just, it's my happy place. And somebody said to me recently, so do you think that's because you can escape into a, you know, a different realm? And maybe there is a bit of that, but for me, when I'm drawing, time can go so quickly. Like I think I've been there for 20 minutes and I look up and it's been three hours, which is exactly what happened just before this podcast. I had to gulp down some really spicy soup because I looked up and I was like, oh my goodness, 15 minutes till we speak to Tommy. Like where has the morning gone? So I think when you find work like that, that just soothes you and has you in your own wee bubble, inflow as they like to call it, then that's your, your happy place work. And for me, that's drawing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what you just described is like the true definition of flow, right? It's like a very mm. good way of, of summing it up. Yeah, is that, can you go to that place, Joe? like um, when life gets challenging, like it does for all of us at times, can you retreat to that place of creativity to find, do you get comfort? Can you, you know, do you go there purposely to um, deal with these things or to process these yeah. things? Yeah, definitely. And I think, but again, environment has to be there. So for example, super stressful time would have been during the first lockdown when we're trying to do homeschooling right at the start of the pandemic when we weren't quite sure if we're all going to die and it was going to be like a zombie apocalypse um there was a lot going on and if I'm being honest I couldn't just sit down with my sketchbook and think oh it's all right I'll just zone out with a bit of drawing because like no there was just too much stuff going on so it's not always that easy but I did make a point of carving out 10 minutes a day and just do some doodling not when I'm around the kids, not when there's a TV on, like all those kind of things. So it's a good tool in practice, but it doesn't, it's not like a quick fix. It's not like a switch that you can just hit and then everything's okay. Like you have to do a bit of prep work, know what works and what doesn't. And yeah, approach it in the right way. It's like a tool. It's not a, it's not a one fit, one hit wonder, one fix wonder, whatever that saying is. It's yeah. not that. Yeah, no, that's it. That's I think that's how we need to approach all these all these things, right? Because we all need different things in different amounts at different times, and maybe it's a social media thing or a media thing in general. But it is quite easy to like throw away these things, like oh, if you're having a bad time, just do this, or if you're having a bad time, you know, why don't you try this? And it's not that simple, like you say. Hey, so we have to kind of yeah, maintenance, I suppose, is a really good a good way because we often focus on. Uh, when we're not feeling too good what we need to do to feel better but when you're already feeling quite good then you should be doing stuff to stay there as well you know and I think mm -hmm. having that creative outlet is really important just to tick over right just to um just to maintain a nice feeling I think so and I think self-care is it's one of those things that's like a bit of a funny word just now when it gets banded about a lot and I think when things are going well you don't really give it a second thought and then when you hit a bit of a bumpy patch you try all the things all of the time so for me I was doing the 30 days of yoga I was like that oh, I'm going to meditate which was a disaster I'm going to journal I'm going to do all these things I was like if there's like here's 10 self-help things that are meant to make you feel good like if I do all 10 then that like must give me 10 times the chances of being happy and more content than somebody that's just doing nothing so I'm like that. I'm like that, right? I'm just going to hit it all. And of course you fail and then you feel rubbish and you miss a day and it's just, oh, you end up feeling worse than you did at the start. So for me, it's really important to find things that nourish me, that I can stick to, that I actually enjoy, like meditation. I, I, I know it's so good. And I hear so many people saying like amazing things about it. And I wish I could do it, but I just can't. <laughs> and maybe, you know, at another point in life, I'll revisit it and it'll be great. 
But for now, I just sit there and my inner voice is telling me all the things I need to do. I cannot wait for that timer to go. And I'm like, yes, now we can do it. And yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we can find that state though, that meditative state. We can find that in so many ways. You know, if you look at it as from a mindfulness perspective, drawing, coloring, you know, I even think like, um, like reading, you know, for me, reading fiction is a mindfulness practice. You know, I'm in that book. I'm in that story. I'm nowhere else. I'm not worrying about anything else I've got to worry about. You know, that's, um, you know, we can find that state, can't we? Wherever works best, works best for us. Is, yeah, I um, think so. I think knitting as well. I think anything that it's not too technical and there's quite a repetitive process to it. Um, yeah, walking, knitting, those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Do you knit a bit, Joe? You're into knitting. No, but I watch a <laughs> watch um, the kids' great granny knitting, and she's like an extreme knitter, and it's just like it just it's it like it's so entrancing when you're even watching it I'm like that how are you doing that you magical woman but yeah I just think that's really so rhythmical it must be soothing it must be it must be like a baby being rocked in a cradle or walking or on a steam train all those kind of things yeah that's a beautiful metaphor eh? I've got an episode coming out I think it's out next week um, with someone called Stevie Georgina and she's on Instagram as Stevie by the sea and she does crochet and she was um she was quite unwell and she like crocheted her way back to health and now that's what she does like crochet workshops and stuff like that and hearing her talk about that process was wonderful you know she's really really inspiring and it just goes to show you can find that find that piece in in anything i was thinking about like specifically about your books and why people find them so beneficial for well-being for self-care and is there anything that has jumped out for you that people have sort of actually mentioned in feedback or in conversation yeah so a few things um number one i think it's the tactile nature of coloring so you know it's like the texture of the paper and the scent of the cedar wood in your coloring pencils like these are all real life sort of you know experiences that you don't get watching tv or playing on an ipad so i think it's that analog aspect of it people find really soothing like you know it's it's real and it's in front of you it's a digital detox obviously people keep saying to me are you going to do a coloring app absolutely not because I love the fact that there's no screens involved and if you are in you know a bit of a funny headspace for me it's always always social media and the news apps like those are the two things that make me feel terrible every time and I need both of them so I can't just cut them out but when you know like when you get to that point where you've just had a bit too much and, but then you can't get out like that's when they get you the most um, so I love that you can put your screens away and disconnect switch off and do something you know that's just very whimsical and that you probably did last time when you were a child and you didn't have all these other worries and I think the last thing is that all my artwork is very nature inspired so there's no cityscapes there's nothing that would sort of trigger you into thinking about a business meeting like there's no jet planes or skyscraper buildings there's also no swear words I know there are those swear word coloring books and I think if that's how you you know expel your stress then wonderful but for me coloring in a big f-bomb it's not going to do it for me so for me the artwork is all very floral it's very nature inspired I think you know if you can't be in nature walking or you like sitting in a beautiful garden coloring it is like the second best thing yeah, definitely. There's a, there is studies in there that show that just looking at nature has very similar effects in the brain to actually being in in nature. Like it's a really good substitute, and that's why they have like big green things in um, hospital waiting rooms and has that same sort of soothing effect. Yeah, I um I think there's really something really quite lovely about starting a project 
and staying with it and seeing it through to the end. You know, even if like sometimes with mental health related stuff, it's just too big. You know, like you said before, when you've got like a lot going on, it's just too big. You can't go and run a marathon. It's like, you know, I can't even can't even get out of bed. You know, running a marathon is, is too big. But um, starting a coloring page and just putting pen to paper and just working your way through it. And it might take you a week, you know, like 20 minutes here, half an hour there. And there's something really nice about starting something and staying in it through that middle bit when you know, both when you would normally maybe put it down and forget about it and seeing it through to the end and having an actual thing in front of you and saying, wow, I, I did that, you know, and I stuck with it and it took me all week. There's something really nice about that, really quite um, rewarding almost, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, having said that, though, some of the pages are double pages or are super intricate and I can't complete them. Like it would take me weeks and weeks and I'm a big believer in, you know, getting the feel-good vibes from it. So what I've started to do is some pages with things that I call small victories. So they're smaller compositions on the page, maybe like nine or 12. And the idea is that you can colour one of them during a lunch break or while the baby naps or while you're waiting for the cake to bake. And you get those feel-good vibes of the completion, but it's just a smaller thing. So it's maybe 10, 15, 20-minute project. And people really like that. And I think just the kind of lifestyle that we lead, like it's lovely to be able to lose yourself in a, in a big, complex double page spread and to have that at the end. But if not managing to do that is going to make you feel terrible, just don't do it. You know, tackle the smaller pages. And I just, I was on a parent council meeting the other day and we were discussing something. I was like, hold up. I don't like anything that makes life more difficult than it needs to be. Like always, always look for the, the easy win because then that boosts you up it's not like you get the easy win and then you give up because you're lazy but I think getting the feel-good vibes and the positivity from the easy win pushes you and propels you to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing so instead of aiming for a big thing aim for th- something small and then go from there so that's my thinking like I just yeah I just don't like to do hard things I like to do lots of small tricky things that together make one big hard thing yeah, that's it. I suppose, you know, you take a small win and you keep stacking those little wins on top of each other and they end up as a big one by the end, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. something really, really nice about that. Do you think there's a, a nostalgia element to it as well, Joe, that people quite quite like? Yeah, so um, I read some psychologist wrote about this. It's called the Peter Pan syndrome. <laughs> it's like when, when things are a bit crazy, we sort of retreat to a bit of nostalgia and a bit of whimsy so that might be coloring because you haven't done that since you were wee it might be you know you see these adults going out and doing like bushcraft and building dens in the wood and things like it's all the same isn't it I think anything that gets you to be more childlike and playful it just I mean you know yourself it's lovely it stops you feeling caught up in the stresses of being an adult and it definitely taps into something that's just a bit more loose and free and yeah I guess charming I think in a nice way yeah it's really comforting sometimes isn't it to um spend a bit of time down down memory lane and that's nice when we're trying to be yeah trying to be nice to ourselves trying to be um find that find that comfort that's really really nice yeah it's fascinating I suppose it's worth saying as well when we talk about creativity that like we're going to talk a lot about drawing and coloring because that's what you do but creativity can be anything can't it like it really can like people yeah. tend to think like drawing music, art, whatever, but anything can be a creative outlet. It's it's about it's about the application, isn't it? And that self-expression, I suppose, is is really important in that. Yeah, I think um I think the difference is like manufacturing feels like 
you're following a process to get to the outcome whereas creativity is you enjoy the journey so for example my wee girl Mia is four and she was painting one day just a beautiful colorful rainbow or somewhere like oh it's great love it love it she's so happy and then she's getting more and more paint and there's more paints going on the paper I'm like oh it's starting to get a bit brown it's like I think we're done now and like I was going to look great on the wall now it's looking a bit you know dodgy and then she gets the black out like well that's it ruined I was like oh Mia it's like what you done now it's all black and she's like yeah I know isn't it great and she walked off super happy and I'm like well what am I going to do with this but then I realized like she didn't care what it looked like. What she enjoyed was the feeling of layering up the paint, of seeing the rainbow, of seeing it go brown and then covering it all over the black. And she just enjoyed the process. And I was like, that that's such a lovely lesson. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I think as adults, we get really fixated on the outcome. Like, what is it going to look like? If I share this on Instagram, how many likes will it get? And you forget about the process. And the outcome is such a tiny little bit at the end. And we just need to, you know it sounds really cliche but enjoy the journey like that idea of creativity it's not about creating the thing it's the creativity process that's important yeah and what it what it brings out in you along the way isn't it you know because we, so. it allows you to access a different part of yourself I think something else comes out stuff that you'd forgotten about or maybe that you didn't realize it was there yeah there's something nice about that experimentation and like you say like kids right like uh like the kids yeah. do it yeah we can learn so much i always think like with my kids i watch in so many different things in the way that they eat the way that they sleep the way that they move you know they just haven't been corrupted by society in in any way right and that it, it, it's all just natural it's all just instinct and that's kind of how we all should be before it all got <laughs> stripped uh, stripped away from us by um all these different things that we that we have to do yeah, I get quite a lot of emails from people saying or messages, I've got one of your colouring books, but I'm just really scared that I go over the lines and I don't want to wreck it. Um, and I'm not sure what to do. Have you got any tips? I'm like, ah, just go for it. If I gave one of those books to, you know, my five-year-old, my sorry, my seven-year-old or my four-year-old, they just pick up a pencil. Like They're not even going to give it a second thought. Like you just need to get out of your own way and crack on. And I always say to people, there's not creative people and uncreative people. We're all born creative. And that is why you never see a toddler holding a crayon racked with self-doubt. They are too busy drawing on the walls because nobody said to them, well, actually, I don't think you can draw, sweetheart. Like, I'm not sure this is your thing. Like, they know they can and they just get on with it. And I think as we become adults, we start getting our own way a bit, all the negative self-talk starts. And I think uh, the kind of stuff that I do, the drawing tutorials and the colouring, I think of it as a way of easing yourself back in, like it's a stepping stone to get you back into that frame of mind so that you can then go off and do an oil painting or spray paint your garage wall or design a new recipe or, you know, all those kind of things. So I think it's just about finding doors to open yourself back up to that and to remind yourself that you are creative and that you weren't put on this earth to stare at your phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do mention, don't they, that like a blank page is quite intimidating. Yeah, yeah, I, for me too. Like, I totally get it. Uh, so with the colouring books, that's great because there's no blank page. They're a collaboration. I've done the outline. You just need to bring the colour. But often there's, you know, little spaces where you can add your own thing and, you know, people drawing, you know, extra pieces of artwork or do amazing backgrounds. The drawing tutorials are super simple. They're like, I think it's like, you know, when you're baking a cake, if you've got like a basic sponge recipe, I'm teaching you the basic sponge recipe. And then from there, you can elaborate and make it into like all these different weird and wonderful variations. That's the way that I think about drawing. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, really nice um, jumping off point. Eh? Really nice jumping off point. What I wanted to ask you, you've mentioned it a few times actually already, but what's your relationship like with social media? You know, because it changes, doesn't it? As your following grows, then how you interact with it changes again, doesn't it? So is that quite, um, I imagine you get a lot of messages to deal with. Yeah. yeah do, you have to, do you have to watch yourself in that respect? How much of yourself you give to social media and how much time you spend on it? Yeah, so I'm probably a bit peculiar in that I don't have personal social media accounts. That's why, Tommy, we are no longer friends with Facebook, <laughs> in case you were wondering. <laughs> so I do have a profile, but I don't have any friends on there. Just because I got to the point where I was spending a lot of time catching up on stuff or looking at things that weren't really relevant to my life. And I just, I think especially after I had the kids, time becomes really important because every second that you're not doing something that's you know either for the kids or for you like it's just wasted like it just it felt really precious time after that particularly time when they were asleep or I had childcare. you know there's so much stuff to do so in an effort to try and make the most of that um I came off social media personally um and just kept my professional accounts and occasionally they overlap and you know there's friends that I speak to on Instagram and Obviously, I have a Facebook account so I can do groups and what have you. Um, and in terms of messages, I used to reply to every single message personally that I got. And then that soon became overwhelming and completely impossible. So then I tried having somebody work in the studio and they were helping me. But I didn't like the idea of somebody answering on my behalf. So then we thought about using an external agency and that was even worse. And then I just took the decision that I would just set up an autoresponder, which you may or may not have seen, that says, thank you for your message. I'm so delighted you reached out. Unfortunately, I just cannot reply. And I know that's frustrating, but I'm sorry. I'm trying to make new creative work. and I've got two wee girls that I'm trying to raise. So please forgive me. And here's like some frequently asked questions and some links and some other stuff. So that's what people get now. And, you know, some people are going to be annoyed by that and feel let down and like, oh, what a bit more interaction, but other people totally get it. And I think having a few boundaries and rules for me really helps because otherwise it does get overwhelming and you feel like you're letting people down and, you know, like Sandra in Canada has emailed me and like, do I ignore my daughter who's asking me to help her with her homework or do I email Sandra back? And it's like, you know, you just need to make one decision that removes the constant need for other decisions. And so having that line like I can't email everyone back I'm really sorry I can't reply to your dms but I'm gonna do this this and this really helps I don't always reply to comments either and that bothers me because I feel like if I'm putting out content and you know sharing a message it's really rude to just shout that into the void and then shut the door quickly before anyone can like shout (laughs) back to you so that one I struggle with I think it's the it's something that I would like to have more time to do, but at the moment I just don't. But I think on the whole, people are quite understanding. They get that I'm doing my best. I try not to be, I try to be very honest with the posts that I share, but equally I've got some lines. So for example, I don't share pictures of like the kids' faces just because they're wee still and I'm like that. They can kind of decide what they want to do. And I've got friends that share everything about their children and that is absolutely fine and great for them and it's not one of those things like oh I don't like what they're doing I just think it's like something that that they'll decide later and it's it's never really been a big thing and it's just something that we've stuck to and also like I don't do a gazillion insta stories of videos of like me in the supermarket and all that kind of stuff I quite like the idea of taking pictures and videos and then I post them later so it's not about doing it right there in the moment like I hate that thing you know when you see people out for dinner and they're 
like pretending to open the champagne like multiple times to get the perfect boomerang like just live it record it and if it's okay share it later and if not you know you've got a nice memory so I try not to let it get in the way but equally it's such a lovely thing to connect with people and yeah I mean like we got back in touch again via Instagram yeah, it's got its good. It's got its good points, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. I certainly wouldn't have a a podcast or a, a, like a business um, without Instagram. You know, it's very important, uh, mm. particularly that platform. I like Instagram. I find it quite, on the whole, quite positive. I find some of the others quite negative spaces to be. I don't like to be around them. But Insta, I'm 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 pretty down with. Um, but do you find that having strong boundaries helps you to look after your headspace and look after look after you? Yeah, because I am like. A people pleaser and I also um worry massively about what other people think and I know I shouldn't and like I tell people I don't worry about what other people think it's so easy to give other people advice and so hard to take it yourself um so yeah I find it I find having as I said like one rule that takes away like a multitude of decisions every day really helps me because otherwise I just fret over it and worry I'm like oh well they've seen that I've opened that if I don't reply to it what will happen Happily, actually, Instagram, I've noticed I've now got voice notes. So I do occasionally just jump into my inbox and like record random voice notes back to people like, hi, thank you for sharing your coloring. And I think that's like a nice, like easy way for me to reply to people um, and they get a wee message from me. So I like I think those kind of things feel fun and lighthearted and it keeps the social media and a kind of happy space for me so it's not a chore the minute it becomes a chore I think that's when I'm like have to look at it again um but what about you what do you do Tommy do you like have a personal account and your work account or not not really no I kind of have my I have my work account I've one for the podcast and one for my job so I've got like I've got my own business and um yeah I kind of use that to kind of promote and sometimes my life you know I like to show that I practice what I treat uh, I preach in regards to my work so I kind of use it to show a little bit of of me if I can relate it to my work I use I use my kids a lot so I work in the movement space um I do uh injury rehab and I teach a bit of yoga and stuff all this sort of like thing that I've this system that I've created but um because yeah because my kids are so bendy and I spend a lot of time um you know we climb trees together and we jump off things together and not like my wife and I we practice a very um free type of um parenting and my kids are like they're feral um but they're really really happy and they're thriving and I, so yeah we quite often um there's lots of stuff of us me and my kids doing daft stuff with our shoes off up trees and stuff like that but um but that's lovely I think kind of stuff like that shows your personality and you know everyone's always going to be authentic like that just is like you don't even it's not manufactured it's not yeah and I think especially for people like us where I hate that phrase you are the brand you know what I mean like, yeah I know exactly you, what you are mean. your job yeah. and your thing and like for me personally like I'll share like a wee snippet of things that we've done at the weekend or um a wee video of what we've cooked you know like if we've done some baking like that kind of stuff because I think it's nice for people to build up like a rapport and to feel that they know you a little bit when it's so personal having said that you know like we all had some really quite tough times last year I don't take to social media to have a whinge about you know everything that's going on and to overshare I read a really good thing that said share from the share from the scar not from the wound so if you know you're going through something and it's still quite raw it's not a good idea to be speaking about that online for two reasons one 
you haven't really processed it yet so you're in like a bad space to be chucking that about and two you're probably quite vulnerable so if someone comes back at you with some advice which maybe doesn't quite hit or you know just like an opinion that's not helpful that time like it's such a it's such a dangerous time to be like flinging personal stuff about so I'm quite guarded in that sense that if you know if there's a lot of stuff going on I'm more than happy to not share that online um, and just to sort of process it and then perhaps share a little snippet of it afterwards but again it's very much share from the scar not from the wound and you know and also only share it well personally I only share it if I feel there's like a message that might help someone else um or you know like just something that I've learned like god damn it I wish I'd known that six months ago so then I would like you know probably post out or something yeah I can't I think that if I didn't need it for my work I don't I wouldn't bother I don't think like I sometimes like I think like my life's quite boring and I'm really happy with that, like that it's boring by design. And sometimes I think like, why on earth would anyone want to see what I've had for dinner? Or, you know, like, I just don't understand it. It's a very strange world. Maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. But um, no, I know yeah. what you mean. Do you not know feel though? So sometimes the only downside is I feel like I miss out on stuff. So like, okay, like last weekend, I was with some friends and they said, oh, and Finlay's broken his leg. I'm like, what? Nobody mentioned that in the group chat. And they're like, yeah, well, it's on the, it's on the Snapchat. It's like, oh, I never saw that. And then they'll be speaking about something else. Like, yeah, did you see that curry that you made? It's like, no, where, where did you get? And I'm like, that. oh, yeah, it's because I'm not on the thing. So, like, they have all this other stuff. But then I'm like, really? How much of your week did you spend getting all those snippets of information from other people's lives? And what could you have done with that time that would have benefited you? And also, how did it make you feel? Because I'm a person... Now, Tommy, we spent a summer living on a campsite. It, you know, like it's it wasn't flash in any means. And I would say that I am not a particularly flash person. So like quite just the same way I was when I was growing up. I can watch the Kardashians, who is it's a bizarre show for me. Like I'm like, these people are crazy and I do not want their lifestyle. But I'm like, oh, I feel a bit rubbish that my kitchen looks like this now. Like, what are you even doing? Like that why have I done that and I think on social media especially Instagram where everything looks so beautiful and perfect I'm like god damn it why does my garden not look like that and how come my dressing table doesn't have the books all stacked like that nicely like mine's got tissues and somebody's you know like suki blanket and you know like a couple of empty cups like why does it not look the way it's meant to look so I think for me personally that kind of comparison thing is weird and if I find myself doing it I like step back really quickly it's like when you sort of touch something hot you're like oh chat and then chuck it away yeah definitely I have a lot of things in place um where I keep an eye on my own mental state you know so I'm very very self-aware I've done a lot of therapy and it's um a big part of my practice is tuning in there's a few little things for me that when they start happening I know that I need to kind of ramp up on the self-care and take better care of myself and one of them is is that if I find myself either spending too much time on social media or if I find myself having a like an emotional or a, a reaction to stuff that I see rather than just kind of like mindless you know just not really caring but as soon as I start feeling a little bit triggered or a little bit envious or a little bit then I think right hang on a minute that's like um my equilibrium is is shifting a little bit here and it's time to um have a weekend without my phone and you know dial back in mm. analyze my uh behavior maybe doing some coloring maybe I'll add that to my uh to my list of of things to do yeah but I, I was kind of <laughs> well I was thinking about like how as we get older and 
a lot of creative pursuits fall away, don't they, as we get older. And I think that that plays a huge part in mental ill health. You know, when we don't have these creativity and your life just becomes about all the boring grown up stuff, you know, about the trips to Asda and the school runs and all that sort of stuff. It, when we don't have that outlet to express ourselves and something that played a big part in, in everything that happened to me was I turned all my hobbies into my work, you know, so I had a job I didn't really like. And I thought, well, how can I make myself really happy? So I took all my hobbies and turned them into my job. And then I had a job I liked, but no hobbies to rely on, you know? So Mm -hmm. how do you find the balance when you're with your creating stuff for Joe and creating stuff for, well, Joe, the brand for, uh, you know, to double back on what we just said. Yeah, sure. I had this exact conversation with somebody yesterday and about if it strips out, the, the, if you have the same joy from a thing that used to be your hobby, if it then becomes your profession and it definitely changes. So for me, when I'm working on a book or a commercial project and there's a client and an art director and a sales director, you know, there's all these other people that you have to please. And I'm so very lucky with the people in the team that I work with that we are all very aligned and there's never been an issue where it's, I'm like no no you can't do that but there is a little bit of pressure um so I think for me I need to have personal projects and it tends to be that personal projects for me are things that are quite different to the work that I'm doing having said that if I didn't enjoy the work that I'm doing I wouldn't do it and I'm very very privileged to be in a position now where if a project comes in I'm like I'm not really feeling that I'm not going to do it I can just turn it away without hyperventilating and panicking about how I'm going to you know, pay the electricity bill. So it wasn't always like that. That's definitely a place that I've got to. Um, but I think for me, it's having clear boundaries on what work I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. So even if a fee is very high, if I don't like the job or sometimes I don't like the client, I just won't do it. And for me, that keeps me quite happy in work. And also just carrying on the, the personal projects. So even if I've got a book deadline, you know, maybe I'm working on, on like an interiors project at the house or I'm working on a wee thing that's going to be a gift for somebody. That kind of stuff keeps me ticking over, I think. Yeah. Is it quite difficult to, um, like, stay authentic? But, you know, when you have, because you must get offered, like, loads of stuff, you know, to, like, opportunities and, you know, to really make those decisions based on how important that is to you you know to yourself yeah do you know what it's um it's easier now so there was but that came from a very hard point so um just when the coloring books all sort of took off it was just after I'd had Evie who is now seven so maybe like six years ago and a lot of big opportunities came in and I was like that, you know, like, I'm so lucky. I have this opportunity. All these people are asking me to do stuff. These brands want me to collaborate with them and being offered trips to like Brazil and to New York. And I should be doing all these things. And if I don't take them, this moment might never come back again. And I've missed it. And it was like that real FOMO feeling. But also it's like, I'm now a mum, and, you know, I should be at home with my baby. And what am I doing? And like the guilt and everything. So I got to a point where I had a huge team, like I'd hired people, we'd headhunted really senior people and we were building a brand and it was going to be a lifestyle brand and we were going to have all these different products and we were going to be all over the globe and an international sales plan and teams of people, including like internal lawyers and we're thinking about building premises. And I just got, and then I had my second baby, Mia, 
um, I had gone back to work like after nine days after giving birth because there was just so much going on and it was crazy and she's sleeping in her little Moses basket under my desk I'm like what the hell am I doing like what 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 is this and you know there was a few bad decisions made there by me where I was being advised by people on business issues and their business advice was 100% right but I wasn't the business person you know I was just still me the girl who wanted to draw pictures I was hardly drawing anything then the business had become a legal business where we were licensing so we were just contracts and arrangements and signatures I was just like this isn't the life that I wanted and I felt, you know, I've been given this great privilege of an opportunity and I felt bad turning it down. But then I realized I wasn't turning it down. I was just pivoting. And I also didn't want to be the example to my kids that you should, you know, pursue work or opportunities that don't fill you up with joy just for the sake of it. And I think I felt like I was letting a lot of people down, but I would rather let those people down in the short term and be true to myself in the long term like I don't think I could have carried on with that life it was just very difficult and I'm not cut out for business was quickly um which quickly became apparent and I let everyone go we stripped the studio back down I went back to working at home I'm now in a wee studio just because working from home with two children was bananas but um, yeah, everything just got pulled back to me drawing pictures and the only big expenses were like pens and the odd light bulb. And it was such a relief and it just felt really authentic, really true. It's what I wanted to do. And, you know, I might have turned down the opportunity to be a global brand, but I didn't want that opportunity. So I think just because something comes your way, you don't have to take it. And I think somebody said to me the things that you say no to define you more than the things that you say yes to and quite quite happy with all the no's recently like it feels yeah feels settled and true authentic yeah yeah it's something that I've discovered through a lot of conversations on this podcast is that authenticity is huge and living Mm -hmm. life in a way that doesn't align with your values you know and we have to have boundaries like we mentioned before really really strong boundaries and we have to make tough decisions and sometimes that you know does affect other people but ultimately yeah if you try and push a like a round peg for a square hole or whatever the analogy is for long enough then something's going to break right yeah and I think the thing about values in my personal life I noticed that as well if you try and ignore your own values it got to the point where I think it takes more energy and mental stamina to convince yourself of something else or to suppress something than it is to just to go with it so I think it I think it's so draining and difficult like an it's like an uphill swim through treacle like the hardest thing you can imagine to go against your own internal current so you yeah you just have to let go and go with the, the thing that feels true and right yeah yeah definitely something about that acceptance isn't it you know like rather if something feels like really really challenging that sometimes it's because it's not not meant to be and it can be quite hard to uh and that's another social media message isn't it like you know it's really hard you just got to keep going keep grafting keep working and that's not always the case man sometimes it's just uh just trying too hard trying to force something that shouldn't be forced i think yeah i think there's like the hustle is glamorized so much and uh, at some point, like I, when I think back to all the worst decisions I've made in my career, like the ones that still to this day make me sweat a bit and like make my heart flutter, 
there are points where I've known in my gut and in my heart what the right thing to do is that my head has been like no that's like what you should do is this this is what the right business decision the right career move but in my heart I'm like it doesn't feel right and I've done that thing and it's it's always fallen flat on its face like sometimes you do just have to listen to that wee quiet voice and listen to those whispers because you know those are the right things that's your instinct speaking to you yeah really trust yourself yeah same way that we need to trust our innate ability to be creative you know the access that inner inner thing and I think you know through creative practices it we can that can help us can't it to find that that thing in us our authentic self I think by taking that time to slow down to express ourselves in a different way to stop caring what anyone's going to think all these things that we've mentioned Joe you know to stop uh, to enjoy the process it all helps us to access that authentic self and then you can start to apply that to all different aspects of your life and there's something I don't know it just sounds really nice it just sounds really being able to just flow find that flow state but flow flow through life you know yeah it sounds wholesome doesn't it, it, it really the way does. I always think about it yeah definitely and um uh, there was just a something else I wanted to ask you because it seems like it's quite important to you is that time spent in nature because that's another um, really important practice for mental well-being and I, I often see um from your social media that seems to be something that really brings you a lot of uh, a lot of peace a lot of clarity Joe am I have I got that right yeah hugely hugely um, like I mean, my job is an indoor desk job, really. But being outside in nature is my absolute reset button. So whether that's down at the beach or, you know, in the woods or just even in the garden, I just, I don't know, like I feel if I'm walking beside the woods and, you know, it's like the breeze is in your face and you can hear the birds, it's like I can feel myself decompressing and like this stuff coming out of you. And for me, it's important not to have, headphones on so I don't listen to podcasts don't listen to music I just like to let the nature get in my ears so to speak and you know going for a really early morning walk or just like that calm and peace I like I can feel it in every part of me and I know that it's good for me um I do take my phone but it's always like in my pocket I don't walk around with it like making notes or looking stuff up or you know posting pictures of my walk while I'm on my walk I'll do it after I'll maybe snap a quick photo but I won't you know go on social media while I'm walking and I uh yeah I think every time if you think about it you know if you're going through if you've had like a really traumatic horrible incident that idea of getting outside and having a walk and being in the fresh air, that seems so natural. Like that is the thing that you would do after obviously a sweet cup of tea and, you know, a hug from a friend. That walk in nature feels like the automatic response to that kind of stressful situation. And I find that days where I've not made the time to go for a walk or things have just been too crazy and it's not happened, I go to bed feeling a bit disgruntled and frustrated with myself. And I'm sure that's the lack of, sunshine vitamin d fresh air yeah definitely i am um, i itch for it if i don't i walk every day i walk to work um you know that like i'm a big fan we're quite lucky we live on the coast so i walk along the beach into work every morning and if i don't for whatever reason yeah i kind of i itch for it i can feel it i just know i haven't had my um haven't had my walk and that's been for my own recovery that's been huge i kind of like walked myself back to health i think it's a really really important and often um neglected factor of uh, of self-care definitely is there anything else you use joe to look after yourself in these modern busy times yes yeah, so um i do all the therapy that started last year and it was something that you know I'd said to a few friends had like done it and I dabbled in therapy a while ago and 
I thought it wasn't for me but I realized now I just hadn't found the right therapist like I think you really do need to find somebody that vibes with you so um I had a tough year last year did the therapy still doing it now and that has been incredible it's such a privilege it's something that I'm very lucky to be able to have and I don't take that for granted but also reading sort of books around that subject I find really helpful for a while I was listening to them as audiobooks and I realized that I don't get the same from the content if, as if I would you know just physically read the book um so therapy I try to journal as much as I can but uh, sometimes I find I don't know if I'm doing it wrong that if I am in a bad mood writing it down on paper doesn't help me expel it it just engulfs it and it makes it worse and I don't know if that's because I've got like quite an acute imagination or but like that no like what it started off as me being minorly annoyed about something evolves into this like great big dramatic thing so I'm not sure if journaling <laughs> when I'm mad is really helping me um but gardening I love a uh, not the kind of prissy gardening like I like getting out there with the shears and clearing stuff really physical exercise exercise is my big thing so every day even if it's just a 20 minute hit I have to get outside and do something I find physical fitness so when I work out at the gym everyone's like oh it must be great to be like really strong blah, blah, blah. but it's actually for my mental fitness like I find that it's the same with the walking and being outside if I do a really great workout and I'm knackered yeah your body's got a good of it but my head gets more good of it if that makes sense yeah very much so yeah one of my favorite quotes then, is um mental health needs physical support that's a oh that's a good one it's lovely that isn't it yeah uh, it's one of one of paul mort's that one but uh but yeah it's true yeah they're um I'm, I'm the same with journaling i think i find that i find it challenging it's not a practice i've ever particularly took to very well but yeah therapy for me i love it i absolutely absolutely love it i've been doing therapy for crikey three years now i think okay. and um yeah. And I'll continue forever. Like I always have a, a check-in, even though things are really good for me now. Um, I was going to have a check-in if I have a little wobble, then I'll just like, you know, I'll just ring up, uh, ring up a therapist and just jump back in there for an hour. And um, yeah, it's, I think I, obviously I started it to deal with mental health related stuff, but I feel like it's also helped me to become a better person, you know, yes. a better husband, mm -hmm. a better father, all the, like the important roles that I see in my life. Yeah. So once you kind of deal with the the stuff, then it's really good for like, like polishing up around the edges as well, isn't it? You know, I think so. And I think it just, um, it sort of sharpens the focus on your self-awareness as well. Cause sometimes I'll catch myself doing something and I know that two years ago, pre-COVID, pre-therapy, pre all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't have been aware of it but now I'm like oh what am I doing like and I know like I know the exact phrases I know like what I'm doing I know that I shouldn't be doing it um or the other way around you know like I'm doing like I'm like oh I handled that really well like I'm really proud of myself for the way that that was handled because I know I couldn't have done that two years ago so it does sort of sharpen the clarity for you I think and yeah you're just like I don't know about you but when we were doing it when I was doing it and um I was getting taught all the stuff I was like why did we spend so much time at school learning quadratic equations and not this stuff? Because this stuff feels like it is what is going to dictate to you whether or not you have a happy and successful life. Like this seems so important. It's going to dictate whether you get the right partner, how you parent, if you're happy, and if you're happy, how your physical health is. And we're doing quadratic equations. Like it just seems 
utterly ludicrous and I remember saying that to the therapist and she was just bursting out laughing but I was just like how is this happening like what are we doing in our schools like why is this not more of a, a thing yeah definitely you must think the same oh mate completely yeah <laughs> it would have saved me about 20 years of, <laughs> of heartache I'm sure yeah <laughs> but there you go you know sometimes it's the uh the process that we've got to go through to get to where where we are now and I I like to look at it like that because I think hope's a really important, really important thing as well. But yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, we could do more with that stuff. Sometimes in my kids' school, they have like, they do a bit of yoga, they do a bit of mindfulness, things like that. But yeah, they're definitely starting. Definitely. Yeah. But no, uh, but there we go. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's, uh, that should be another, the next, another campaign should be therapy, therapy in schools. I know. I <laughs> might know. have to find a Maybe. different name. Might have, people would go mad. <laughs> Probably have to find a different different name for it. There'd be a social media backlash. Oh, Joe, oh. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch you again, mate. I don't want to take up any more of your time. But thank you so much for uh, for having a chat with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it was lovely seeing you, Tommy. Let's not wait another twenty years to catch up. <laughs> Let's try not to. Uh, <laughs> thank you, mate. You're welcome. Please like and subscribe. The Space Stars.